but I also am interested to understand where it's coming from because this feeling of inadequacy comes from past experience. Mm. And sometimes I can get to the root cause of it and like really look at the situation from the past and kind of analyze it now as a grown up. Or mm. sometimes all I need to do is say, and it's my mantra, I, I say this a lot to myself I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I love myself. Because we make mistakes. We say stupid things. And mm. we think stupid things. We do stupid things. And for me, it's important to recognize the mistake. For me, it's really even more important to learn my lesson. Mm. And then to forgive myself. Hi there, my name is Shiva Vaniti and welcome to Shift with Your Brother podcast. I am a astrologer as well as an Akashic Records reader and previously on Shift with Your Brother, if you have been tuning in, you may have noticed that I have changed my vocation recently. I was a sleep consultant as well as a baby science educator and while I'm super passionate about those things, I have now indulged in a different calling and that is one with the stars and the different realms of the Akasha. So that's probably a conversation for another day. But today we are going to be talking to Medina Tanakayeva. And I hope I said her name right. But Medina basically is tuning in today from Sydney, where she lives with her family. Medina has created this wonderful yoga form called Emotional Release Yoga. And it is a little bit of a culmination of different yoga practices, but also pulls in things like breath work, pranayama, sound work, chanting, listening to sounds, as well as healing, hands-on healing type work. And I probably will let her explain it a little bit more. Medina is born in Kazakhstan, but was raised in the Netherlands. And now she resides in Sydney, Australia. And that is where she is a senior yoga teacher, as well as a mentor, and where essentially emotional release yoga was created by her. So Medina runs in-person classes based out of Sydney, but for us who are not based in Sydney, we're in luck. She does run online classes as well. She has online-based programs and courses, which those will be in the show notes below. But as you notice that now that with my change of vocation, I've also taken a change in the direction of some of the conversation topics. So I really hope you enjoy the conversation today. I think it's really fascinating about how the body and yoga can help also uncover and unlayer certain things within ourselves to help us lead happier and healthier lives. And so if you are all into that, I really think today's conversation is going to be great for you. And, you know, if you wanted to take it up further, please do definitely check out the links below. Other than that, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do share it with people who you think might be interested in this work. And thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy. Thank you, Medina, for joining us on Shifted Shiver. I'm so excited that you're here today to talk about emotional release yoga. So I just wanted, I shared a little bit about your background, but I just wanted to ask, like, tell me what exactly is emotional release yoga and how does that differ from regular yoga? So the emotional release yoga came up for me when, as an Ashtanga yoga practitioner, which is like the Ashtanga Eva Atabi Joyce's lineage, I started noticing that after some deep poses, I would come out and be overwhelmed by an emotion, by a memory or even vision. And as I continued noticing this stuff, I started also analyzing a bit and applying this knowledge into my teaching. And so very soon I started also navigating this very interesting lane of helping my students, let's say, get into a pose, not by using physical hands-on assist, but by actually whispering some things into their ears that help them to open up, let's say, in Badakanasana, or it helped them to open their chest in a backbend. And very soon, I also started seeing clients privately. So they would... Sometimes they came as a regular yoga private client, but then we would get to a point where it would be a discussion of pain or a discussion about holding on to something in the body. And we would then eventually get to a point where 
you know, they would say like, I actually feel that I'm holding on to something. And I would say, are you interested to work with me? Because this is what I do as a, at that time, a hobby. And then we would go into the, into the pain or into the tension in the body and people would open up. Sometimes emotion manifests as tears. Oftentimes it's tears. Sometimes it's like a crazy laughter. Sometimes it's like a memory. So my students would say like, oh my God, this and this popped up in my mind and I'm really shaken. I never thought about this. And this is something happened with me like really long time ago. And I actually never thought about this, that it still is within my body and I'm releasing it now. Today, I work with emotional release yoga in group settings because about three years ago, I, I didn't really keep track. But at some point I thought, why don't I start implementing this in my restorative classes? And I started basically, you know, using little bits and pieces in my restorative yoga classes. And very soon they got very busy. So mm. from like doing okay to fully booked out, to people waiting to get in, even though they know it's booked out, <laughs> hoping that someone doesn't show up. And we're talking about like 40 people in the room. Wow. And yeah. And it was really going well. And this is when I started connecting to my students on a deeper level. People would come up to me with stories and people would start sharing. And yeah, it was really going great. And then that's when I started teaching this as a course. And mm. I kept my courses to very intimate. So I would have only six people in the room. And we would just go through different aspects of emotions and the classes look like when we talk about group classes they look like probably restorative for yin yoga class but i will use different techniques from cognitive work to sensing in the body to if for example we're working on the throat center we will add some chanting to the me it's basically the protocol of emotional release yoga is very simple so the first thing is that we land in the body, we sense the body and we relax everything as much as we can. And then I invite people to think about something. It depends on whether I'm picking a specific emotion I want to work on or I just, you know, in general will say, think about something that plays up for you lately, something you're struggling with, something you're not happy with, maybe a pattern you want to shed. And so from there, I invite people to, I call it set the scene. So I almost visualize it as a theatrical act. So we as a theater company want to set up the stage. So we have decorations. So I always invite people to remember of the place where the situation took place, right? So for example, I don't know, maybe it was an outside conversation with a friend in the park we said something that we shouldn't have said we feel now you know triggered by what happened and so we basically set up the stage and then we put the people in so the people who were because usually emotions are connected to our interactions with the world yep. so we put the people in and then we start the act so we'll let the situation play up and that will trigger an emotional response. The emotional response will also result in physical response and physical level. And for some people, they immediately will feel it like, oh my God, I feel like tightness in my tummy or I feel like burning in my chest. Or I feel like clenching my fists or squeezing my jaws or I feel like numb, I feel hot. My heart is beating really fast, I'm sweating. So all kinds of different response. And then usually I will ask them to then work with that place of trigger. So we will definitely spend some time just feeling into the pain, feeling into the discomfort, feeling into the sensation. And then from there, I will sense into the group and we'll use different techniques on how to work with that discomfort. Sometimes it's about plugging in some affirmations Sometimes it's about cultivating the inner loving voice, I call it, the voice that I hope to replace by the inner critic voice. Sometimes it's simple stuff like spreading light. This is more coming from the Buddhist tradition I've been following because 
from 2005. I've been following my teacher who passed away two years ago, actually. It's a Dzogchen tradition of Tibetan Buddhism. And basically, I do use a few techniques from that tradition. So where we spread the light and receive the light. Sometimes when it is about throat center, we can chant some mantra or just simple om. A big combination of many, many disciplines brought into. So it's not just like your typical yoga class. I mean, it's sort of just like there's a little bit of chanting. There's a bit of affirmations. There's a bit of almost like counseling or psychotherapy or like getting into the subconscious mind and trying to figure out like where is this genesis of this particular issue. And that's really fascinating because... I mean, you know, I've been reading recently that, you know, a lot of our emotions or a lot of our trapped emotions is basically trapped within the fascia or within those like muscle, you know, like the, I'm not even going to go biology really right here, but like that soft muscles that's underneath the skin. Is that right? Is that what fascia is? Well, fascia is like, it's a collagen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a tissue that wraps around every muscle, the two strings of protein. Okay. So these collagen is also protein, so it's a bit confusing, but I call it collagen because it's easier to understand. So the, the two strings of protein that make up the muscle fiber. And so these two are wrapped in fascia. And then the same bundles, they come together and wrapped again in fascia. And then these bigger bundles come together and also wrapped in fascia. And then you have your muscle tissue, basically. And fascia wraps around everything and it keeps the body together. It connects the bones to muscle, to tendon. It keeps your organs in place because fascia goes through the entire body. So it's a very like big organ. Mm, and it okay. takes up 30% of our body. So it's, it's, a lot. it's a lot. It's it's a huge, huge organ, actually. And one thing I wanted to add is that you mentioned therapy and counseling. And I'm very specific about this because mm. I'm not trained as therapist or counselor. Therefore, I always say that it's good to do this thing with me, especially when I work with people privately. Because we can go quite deep. And I always say if something pops up, if, if it's a big trauma, you always need to go to a specialist. I always work in conjunction with that. So I'm, I'm very clear to my students that this is not therapy. I cannot help you if something comes up huge. You need a professional there. Mm-hmm. But what I'm teaching is to become aware because sometimes people don't even know they need to see a therapist. You That's know? right. Mm. They hold on to tension and then they come to my class and something pops up and then I will, they will talk to me and say like, oh, this and this came up and I'm really shaken right now. And I will say, have you ever worked with this? Have you dealt with this issue? And they said, oh, I didn't even know it. It still bothers me. And I would say, oh, I would really recommend such and such person go and see them. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that's such an important thing as well is that a lot of people, when they do go for different types of holistic therapy, sometimes a lot of these things get released, right? Because in the skin or in the muscles or in the in discussions or when you're, ta- when you're doing Reiki or something like that, certain things are unlayered or uncovered. And then, you know, of course, it, the, the person, the holistic practitioner is there to facilitate that particular practice, but not necessarily is a licensed therapist. So if there is a need to go see a licensed professional to do therapy, it's very important that audience members do take note that that is something that you should definitely still go and do on top of your holistic practice of choice. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, like in terms of like, how did you come to create? I mean, you were saying that you were doing it. You kind of gave a bit of the story already, like how you came to to create it but what led you on this journey to even like start yoga and then come along with emotional release yoga I don't really know I was always you know I grew up in Kazakhstan mm-hmm. and interestingly um, back then in Soviet Union times we had very limited access to anything outside of our Soviet Union right Right. And I remember um, like seeing foreign movies even, is, it was like out of reach. We, I haven't seen Mickey Mouse or I didn't know about Star Wars or for a long time. Mm. And then I remember one thing that was very accessible to us, I don't know why Indian movies. Yeah. We actually <laughs> had like Bollywood out there in our cinemas and I know like Mithun Chakraborty and like some, some very unlikely actors 
you know, to know for a girl from Kazakhstan. And mm. I was always fascinated by the culture. I always loved the saris, the, you know, the... The, the bendy. Um, bendy, yeah. And everything, the singing and, and, and the gods, of course, because it weaved into, like, into Indian movies anyway. And so I was always fascinated, always was attracted. And then when I was studying economics at my uni, basically one of my teachers was a student of transcendental meditation. Oh, you know, right. Yeah, T.M. Yes. Mahar- Maharishi. Maheshwari. Yeah, Maharishi. Yeah, that's mm. it. So she mentioned it in, like, I don't know, she somehow mentioned it. And I got really interested. And I was 20 years old and I thought, oh, I want to do this. And so I went and did the, the whole course, which later I thought like was not, not really profound, not very deep, but at that time it served its purpose. So I started meditating and I, I was quite diligent and did it twice a day the way they prescribed. So I, I went on and then that kind of transformed into Tibetan Buddhism. I've met the first teacher who got entangled in like a bad scandal before his death. Uh, the Me Too, like emotional, physical, mental abuse. His name is Sogyal Rinpoche, and he's not being called Rinpoche by many students anymore uh, because it's like a precious teacher and uh, after everything that came up. Anyway, so then I found Sangha Yoga because I wanted to add physical aspect to all the meditation because I could see how you needed to take care of your vessel of the soul <laughs> yeah, and, uh, as well as the soul. So that's when it turned into Ashtanga. And while doing Ashtanga, like I said, I started releasing emotions. I started noticing that, hey, sometimes I have pain in the body and it is not necessarily physical pain. And when I really went deep into the pain and sensed into it, I could really get to the point of it and release it. And then the next day that pain would go away. Or after the big cry, I had like first one big cry. It was after a bag bin and I released the pawn and it was like a really big cry. And the next day I'm on my mat again doing my practice and all of a sudden my bag bin is so much better and, mm. and easier. And I can, I, I feel amazing in every upward facing dog, which I never felt before in my practice. So this is what was happening. And then this coincided with me meeting one man who was basically a thigh massage therapist, but also trained by a shaman from Thailand, a female shaman. And he gave me a session once where, and it looked really funny because I would lie down and he was just shaking my feet. And he was shaking for quite a long. And I was lying there and thinking like, oh my God, what kind of massage is <laughs> Not not the typical kind, that's for sure. No. And then he stopped shaking my feet and he basically said, he said, Medina, so I sensed a block in your body on the left side and it's coming from around here. And what it basically means is that for all the work, all the hard work you do, you do not reward yourself. What? Okay. And is and that I true? Was, like, was that true? Yeah. <laughs> down in tears because it was so spot on it was so powerful and it was just I just couldn't hold my tears back Mm. and then he said don't worry about it just lie down and I'll do my thing and you can relax and so I fell asleep after that big cry I fell asleep I don't know what he did whatever he did when I woke up he woke me up that it's over and I said Robert how do you reward yourself and he said, oh, it's very simple. I like to go to a cafe, order a coffee and a croissant and just sit by myself. And I said, would you mind if I like offered you a reward and we go together for that coffee and croissant? And, and so we did and we started chatting and I opened up to him and I started sharing something very personal about childhood and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, 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 I, I hear you. It's very, very common. And so this is where we kind of started our little journey together. And I started seeing him 
more often and also attended his workshop on chakras. So he also gave me a really big push. His name is Robert Henderson. He wrote a book called Emotions and Your Energy Body or something like this. I can give mm. you the exact name. Yeah. It's a good book. Yeah, he, he's a lovely guy and he helped me a lot with also understanding the emotions, the chakras. And yeah, definitely gave me a big push in this direction. That's amazing. And so now that you have this emotional release yoga, you were saying that you started doing it like one to one, you started, then you did, you decided to do group classes. So now with the introduction of COVID and things like that, like, have you been able to migrate some of this to an online sort of class or a program at all? Yeah, so I've created two because the very first emotion that shows up for many people, can you guess what it is? What would be the first thing? I'm going to say it's either heartbreak or abandonment, but I have no idea. No, no, look, this is more like, I'm talking really about the emotion, like what what, what do people Mm. feel mostly when they feel like, oh, I'm going to deal with it. Anger? anger. Yeah, Yeah. okay, okay, okay. Let's not go so deep just yet. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first thing, oftentimes when I work with people privately, and let's say they don't even know they want to work with me privately for emotional release yoga. Sometimes people come up to me because I'm mentor yoga teachers. Right. Sometimes they come to me and they say, oh, I want to be mentored by you as a Mm. yoga teacher. And Mm. then we start chatting. And as we chat, I go like, oh, honey, it doesn't sound like you need me as a yoga teacher mentor. I would say, why don't we try emotional release yoga? Oh, okay. Because, you know, from what I hear, the issue is not really finding their path or defining themselves as a yoga teacher or thinking about their next step in their yoga teaching career or even like setting up a business. There's no such question there when I, you know, try to probe like, how could I help? And then I realized that there is something happening. Actually, they are really deeply dissatisfied with something. So why don't we just dive into that and try to uncover what it is? And then the first thing usually that comes up is anger. And I started my journey with emotional release as well with anger. And so, and of course, you know, we attract people that resonate with our story. And my typical client is a female in they usually are the soft ones, you know, the ones that are being stepped over, the ones that need to step up for themselves and, you know, become a bit more clear about their personal boundaries, people who need to find their voice in saying no or mm. in saying I this or I want this. Yeah. So these are my clients. I never came across someone who said like, oh, you know, everything is fantastic, but I need to learn how to be softer and kinder with people. Right. <laughs> Never met such client. You know, it's usually they already kind, they're already really gentle and empathic and everything. And they just need to step up for themselves and mm. get more courageous and strong. So yeah, this is the, the the stepping stone, usually anger. And so I created an online workshop, which is a very short and sweet and kind of taps into anger. And the second one that I created online is on guilt, because I find anger and guilt are the two sides of the same coin. And the coin is called unclear personal boundaries. Mm. But when you don't have these clear personal boundaries, when you let others overstep them, there is resentment, anger. Mm. Because people take too much or people control you too much, you know, and or people... Yeah, you know, use you too much and you feel angry. Mm. But then on the other side, when you reinforce your boundary too strongly, when you push people away, then you start feeling guilty. Yeah, You're like, oh, I'm so selfish. I'm only thinking about myself, you know, I'm terrible. How could I have said this? How could I have chosen myself for this person needs more, blah, blah, blah. So these are the first two. And actually, I I have an online yoga community, which is actually in everything but emotional release yoga. Mm -hmm. And recently I was sitting on it. And you know how now many of us have gone online, the yoga teachers, right? We are setting up all these like online platforms and teaching online and giving live classes. 
And I was thinking how when it just was happening, it worked for me. It was quite good. But now I see more and more people coming on board and doing the same thing, the same set. You know, even in the yoga studios, it's always the same set of vinyasa and hatha and yin. Mm. Sort of, yeah. right? Mm, mm. Yes. And so I was thinking that it's time for me to actually start adding emotional release into my online yoga community. And this is what I'm planning to do uh, in this year. So mm. continuing, we're you know, almost like half years through. So the second half, I want to start adding more of emotional release stuff. And I also am um, going to run a sort of like a home retreat or like a challenge. I don't really like the word challenge, but something like that. An online one week where people will try a few things. Because for me, emotional release yoga is not like therapy. Therapy is more when you have a lot of stuff accumulated you have a big, let's say, big chunk of mess yeah. that therapist needs to untangle and mm. put apart and like and say like, okay, this is here and this is here and let's work with this. Emotional release yoga, on the contrary, is something, it's like a daily practice. Mm. I want this to be a daily practice for people. I want people to not only do their workout, like weights, yoga, whatever they do, it's not only about daily eating, daily showering, daily exercising. It's also about daily sitting with your emotions if you need to sit with them. Like, for example, today, I it started already yesterday, but I woke up with a bit of soreness in my neck. Right. I definitely am going, after this, I'm going to sit with my neck and talk to it and, mm. and see what's, what's playing up. It could be just physical because I also taught a very strong vinyasa online class on Sunday it could be that because I was teaching Rishikasana. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, it could be that, but also could be something emotional. So I just want to check in with my neck and sit and just listen in and see what's there. Maybe something needs to be released. So yeah, this is it. I want to teach people how to use the tools that I've got. And, you know, in my emotional release classes, I use not only asana, I use pranayama, I use meditation, I use chanting, I use essential oils, I use hands-on healing. I can use like on sound healing. I don't have a big collection of bowls, but I do have a few. So I can use that. So it's many different tools and of course cognitive work. And in my online classes, in my online workshops on anger and guilt, I also offer healing writing, what I call healing writing. So I give exercises, mm. simple to write down that sometimes help us reveal what's underneath because what I'm always interested with emotional release is that we dig deep mm. so for example anger is a superficial emotion anger is like oh yeah I'm, we basically I've heard one was it someone a researcher into emotions or maybe neuroscientist I forgot I listened to so many podcasts on this subject Yep. He or she said that these days we are so disconnected from our emotions, we can only name two. I'm sad right. or I'm upset. Yeah. And mm. there is one one of my favorite TED Talks with an English neuroscientist. His name is Alan Watkins. And he's on TED Talks, I think, TEDx probably. Mm. So he talked about how in his research he mapped emotions. And, you know, what is emotion? It's a basically chemical reaction in our brain. We yeah. basically pass neurotransmitters from one neuron to another, and there are millions of combinations because we have over 1 billion of neurons in the brain, and we have over 100 neurotransmitters, which are chemical compounds and hormones that we pass between those neurons. So imagine the combination, right? We have 100 billion neurotransmitters. We have over 100 neurotransmitters. So all these unique combinations of how we pass those compounds in our brain define what we feel and yeah. so this Alan Watkins guy he mapped 34,000 emotions wow okay yeah. 34,000 yeah wow okay yeah okay. so this is fascinating and very these basically names of what we feel exactly right now mm. right and also we have to understand that naming those emotions is something very deeply cultural yeah. so for someone 
who grew up in, let's say, in the U.S., they will name the same feeling differently than people who grew up in Soviet Union. Mm. Also, researchers say that our labeling of emotions is defined a lot by Hollywood, or probably in India would be Bollywood. Yep. We read emotions based on what we see on TV. Yeah. We think like, oh, the person is doing this. He's probably that because we've seen that on TV. <laughs> yes. But actually, it could be not it at all. Mm. But what I'm interested in is that we tune into what we feel. And, you know, sometimes feeling is very simple. Let's say I had an interaction where I made a judgment and I said something where I maybe labeled someone wrongly. And they would say like, oh, but I'm absolutely not that. And I would be like, oh my God. And I usually tend to think a lot. So I overthink. And so I will be sitting with that for a while. And I'll be thinking like, oh my God, I must have heard that person. I must have said something terrible. Oh, I'm terrible. I'm so judgmental. How could I do this? Blah, 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 blah. And this is when I go into emotional release. And then I just with this emotion I feel it in my body I have the tools to release it but I also am interested to understand where it's coming from because this feeling of inadequacy comes from past experience Mm. and sometimes I can get to the root cause of it and like really look at the situation from the past and kind of analyze it now as a grown-up or Mm. sometimes all I need to do is say and and it's my mantra I, I say this a lot to myself I forgive myself. I I forgive myself. I love myself. Because we make mistakes. We say stupid things. And Mm. we think stupid things. We do stupid things. And for me, it's important to recognize the mistake. For me, it's really even more important to learn my lesson. Mm. And then to forgive myself. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's such an important two statements that you just mentioned as well is that Yeah, absolutely. I forgive myself. I love myself. I think I was just reading something the other day about how, you know, one of the ways to really like release things is to see that, you know, not just that you are God's creation, but everyone is God's creation in a way. So then you drop. So if you're having tension with someone or something like that, if you just say, I forgive them, I love them, I forgive myself, I love myself. You're also trying to act on the fact of like you're forgiving and loving God's creation in them and in in you. And therefore there's no separation because if God created everyone or universe created everyone or spirit, whatever you want to call it, then there's no separation from that. This it's only oneness, right? So I think those are the most two powerful statements that everyone should be incorporating in their daily basis. So thank you so much for sharing that. Can you share case studies or any sort of like, you know, aha moments for some of the clients that you had, maybe like one or two, like how did it benefit them? Like any stories that you got to share? Yeah, well, I'm very careful with the stories because they're very personal and people share them in, in private. private. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I will just say in general that what happens with, I have different clients. I have clients that come to me once and never come back, mm-hmm. which is amazing, which tells me that, you know, we've dealt with this one thing and they kind of understood my method. And they may be hopefully applying it with different things and, uh, you know, going from there. So things can be different. Like sometimes people come to me and I help them to find their way back to God. And mm. I'm not afraid to, to name God by, by the name of God because I totally understand that when I look at it with my analytical mind and I, if I look at that as a concept, I understand that many different traditions say God is one. Mm. God is the creator. Mm. Whether it is Brahman, whether it is God, whether it is Allah, whether it is Buddha, it's a bit different. Mm. And I always say, what is God in science? Because science also defines God. Mm. There is something one that created the universe. What is it in science? The atom, <laughs> the big the, bang, the big bang. Mm-hmm. Yes, God. big bang is God, and big bang. It was a big explosion. Mm-hmm. That's what scientists say. It was a big explosion that reverberated through space, and everything started happening. 
Mm-hmm. That's the scientific explanation of God. And then how I came to that is when I heard the recording of NASA, there is on YouTube a recording of NASA, the sound of the universe. Mm. You listen to it. I what have. does it sound like? Mm. Can you guess? Well, I'm trying to remember because I actually listened to planets. I actually didn't listen to the universe only. But what did you hear? It's all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And this is what yogic scriptures say, Om is the sound of God. Mm. And the sound that NASA is recording or has recorded in that little video is basically the sound of that Big Bang reverberating through space. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, so sometimes people come to me with one thing, they come, they go away with rediscovering their God again and connecting to it on a different level. Sometimes people come to me with, they ask for a mentoring session. In the end, we deal with anger and deal with a situation where they have over-exaggerated their own significance in within a relationship. Mm. They are now very clear about it and they go, oh, I'm ready to move on because actually... I'm not that important in that relationship and I don't need to be involved and I can move on and get on with my life. Or sometimes people become aware of sexual trauma. It's not an abuse, but somewhere where they gave the power away and maybe were, I don't know, pleasing their partner or pleasing someone in the past. And that is still playing up when we go into a yoga practice. And then they can move on to a therapist and deal with that. And more than anything, in my regular classes, because I teach calm classes here at one studio around the corner from my place, it's lovely. I'm really resonating with my students there. And it's really, it feels like release of tension. Because in my personal classes, when I can do in person, I use hands-on assist. And I use healing. And so I usually start my class, I get them to lie down over their bolsters. And that's only to help them kind of arrive in their body, but also for me to scan the room and see. I usually pick two or three people I work with a lot in the class because I can sense they carry a lot of tension today right. on mm-hmm. a particular day. And I will see the tension and I'll go to them in the beginning of the class and I'll place my hands on the area where I feel the tension and I will feel the tightness, you know, like the tissue is so hard and impossible to get through. And then towards the end of the class in Shavasana, I'll come over again and, and, and sense them and they're soft or they're soft maybe just on one side and we just need to work on the other side a bit more. Sometimes I also hear, <laughs> it's really weird. I receive messages from muscles. <laughs> it sounds a bit yeah. Yeah, crazy. Nope. But what I, happens so is I, that I put my hands on people and I feel tension. And then I will hear a message. Hmm. It's like, it's not like I hear a sound, but I will inside. Yeah. So for example, the other day I felt it said, the tension was in the neck and I felt it, it went down to heart. It mm. went, it, I can sense the direction of the tension, whether it's coming from above or below. Right. So in her case, it was coming from below and, and I knew it was coming from her heart. And basically the message was, she cannot fix him. Mm. And I used to receive these messages and I used to keep them to myself. But recently I'm daring greatly and I'm just like being really vulnerable. And I just whisper to people and I say, you know, it might sound like something really, really weird and doesn't make sense at all. But your muscles told me that you cannot fix him. And then she goes, I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And she's like, I'm going through a divorce. And I'm like, goosebumps. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then after the class, she comes with a full story that they've been married for over two decades and now they're divorcing. I don't know like why, but how, but that was the message. And I said, do you know, you, you can't fix him. Like it's important, you let go. And mm. you know, stuff like that is happening <laughs> a lot. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I love those kind of stories. And that's why I think it's so important to some of that shit. I mean, 
it's thank you for going into as much detail as you could that that was perfect amount of detail to just show to to people that you know like your body does talk to you and there are so many books on this as well i mean as you mentioned as well but like you know a lot of the ancient practices in the east or anywhere in the world really all have always understood that there's a big connection between you know your soul your spirit and your body and they all kind of work together in this human 3d plane and a lot of the times your body is trying to communicate what you are either feeling or what you are subconsciously telling yourself that you may not know that you are and all of these things get released and either triggered by conversations or even in a particular position of your body. Is that right to say? Yeah. Is that kind of what it is? Totally. Yeah. Yes, totally. Mm. So awesome. what happens yeah. is that when we go back into the fascia world, which is more physical world, so what happens is that we are born with very fluid, very soft fascia. When you look at the baby, you pick up the baby and they just hang, right? They, don't, they cannot hold their head upright. They're like like a noodle mm. and so what happens is that the fascia get solidifies as yeah. we grow yeah and so at certain point this baby will start let's say like trying to put the food in the mouth mm. have you seen how they like get the spoon and they go like and they cannot get it in the mouth they'll put it everywhere yeah and so once you know how to put the food in your mouth, you have that memory in your body. That's when your fascia gets already like more solidified because it knows exactly what to do. Memory. Mm. Where you don't even think about it. Let's say working. You don't think about typing. You create structure. You create posture with yeah. whatever posture you choose to work with. So you could posture like this. This is how your fascia will be getting even tougher and tougher. If you don't do yoga or if you don't do any stretching to relieve that tension, to rehydrate it, to change that structure, it will be getting more and more and more. The same with emotions. When you feel something, let's say you're startled, right? Shoulders mm. shrug up. Mm. Let's say you are in a situation of domestic abuse and you're constantly doing this you will start creating posture with shoulders shrug up. When I see young children with this posture, I'm, I'm really worried and alarmed to see that because I know that something is not okay. Hmm. Possibly they are scared of something. I don't know what they're scared of, but they're often scared. And that's why they already have this posture. So we have like a few things like hips and back and shoulders and necks and this is the patterns that I see in classes and people and you know the interesting thing is like with chakras for example as a teacher I'm not so much into like reading interesting texts and then just telling people how like like that and we have 72,000 nadis in the body I won't be saying this because if I don't feel it in my body I won't be sharing but thing with chakras is that I really understand the chakra system now because for example when I do my emotional release classes and if I let's say I'll say think about the situation that triggered you recently and like blah 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 think the place think the people what happened play the play sense it in your body now put your hands where you feel it and people will put their hands and usually people put their hands on a few places it will be the belly so the gut which mm. is or uh, Manipura Chakra. It could be heart anahata. It could be Vishuddhi in your throat. Sometimes people put somewhere on the head, which could be probably Ajna Chakra. And I will say, if you put your hands on your tummy, most probably this is a power struggle, or maybe you are angry, or maybe someone violates your personal boundaries. If you put your hands on your heart space, this is probably something about not forgiving yourself. Maybe it is about forgiveness, about self-love. It could be about lacking courage to show up. Yeah, lacking courage. Your, your heart is really craving to go out there and, and, you know, and put yourself on stage, but you are not having that courage enough. Mm. When it's about your throat, it could be about you being afraid to communicate your truth, about expressing your needs, or about saying no, or maybe there is a situation of injustice and you feel like really, really strong injustice. 
And when it's about here, it could be about your unfulfilled vision. It could be about your strong desire to connect spiritually with the source. Maybe it could be about you lacking, I don't know, God in your life. It mm-hmm. could be that. And so when I say these things, oftentimes people come after the class and they go, oh, you know that thing you said, how did you know? And I said, I don't know. It's ancient wisdom. It's mm-hmm. called it's chakras. It's like it's old stuff, you know. It's been written by Indian guys long, long time ago. <laughs> it's not me. I just understand this system, and I can translate that system into daily life and give you real life examples. Mm. And yeah, so the more I do this work, the more I really understand the old wisdom. It's not just a bunch of interesting Sanskrit words. Yeah. It, it, there is real stuff there. These guys really sat with those emotions and they sat with their stuff and they defined the chakras. And what I'm finding actually more now, because I'm now looking also into the traditional Chinese medicine and into the meridian, say that those guys were even more precise. Mm. Because within the Manipura chakra, there is liver meridian, there is stomach and there is spleen three yeah. different things and the results of gut, which is another whole story. But so there is even more precision. So I'm now diving more into that as well. But I really love working on chakra levels because it's a very simple, but so clear. Thing. Yeah. And it works perfectly for me. Mm. And before I didn't, for the first time, only recently, I saw chakra as a light. So I was working on my client privately, connecting through their feet. I could sense the heart was really pounding. Heart wanted a release. Heart wanted to throw up. But then there was a big block and the block was in yellow color and that was Manipura. And as we started working deeper, it was all about unclear boundaries. So I was like, wow. So those colors probably also do make sense. I just never, never, ever saw the color. Mm the seed syllables so i never heard like young of course <laughs> but maybe it's coming maybe when i'm like 80 i will definitely see the yantras and hear the seed syllables and that would be awesome <laughs> Who knows? It could be much earlier. I mean, I think the way when it just starts unfolding for each person, it's like you never know when it comes. It just comes out of left fields and then you're just like, oh, wait, I can see that. What was that? <laughs> and yeah. then it's like, oh, that, but it's like the listening part of it where the muscles are talking to you and then you can actually hear their inner voice kind of thing. And I think it's just amazing. And I think that's another aspect of when we kind of do this kind of work is like it just peels more and more layers of just how much Yes, this is exactly my, yeah, Mm. this is how I see it. I feel that with yoga, with all these practices, we are like an onion that's being shaken to reveal all these layers. And as they are being revealed, we cry (laughs) and release, you know, and laugh sometimes too. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's not just all crying, folks. It's, you know, sometimes it's just like anger. You need to go throw something. You need to go do something. Sometimes it's crying. Sometimes it's laughing. It's just whatever really gets released, basically, from the system. And when we release, the tension goes away. The moment we release, the muscles soften. And that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. This is what my end goal is. And my teacher, Namkai Nobu Rinpoche, the Madzokchim teacher, my main teacher, I think always will regard as my main teacher. I don't think I will meet anyone more significant than him. But anyway, he, towards the end of his life, he used to teach the complex practices, right? With visualizations and transformations and mantra this and deity that, you know, and it's very complex dress and blah blah blah. But towards the end of his life, his teaching got really simpler and simpler and he used to just towards the end say, oh, you know what? You just need to try to relax. Try to relax a little bit more and enjoy life. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, just try to be present and just try to relax. Just relax, you know, relax. <laughs> this is what I'm really seeing too in my teaching. I want to help people relax. I want to help people release and, and soften up. 
Mm. Soften up, you know, just yeah. be soft in your body, in your heart, and be soft with yourself. Mm. Yeah. And softer Mostly than you are, it will, like, it just basically translates that you're just so much more easier to move through life, right? Like, you're just going to enjoy life a lot more that way. Yeah, yeah. And not see through the lens of past experiences and patterns that we've learned throughout life and belief systems that limit us. This is what it's about. Helping people just clear stuff, also understand where things are coming from. You know, like, what is the shift that you want to create with your work, Medina? What is, what do you think your shift is really that you want to create in this world? Yeah, I just want us to get a bit softer with ourselves. I want us to be kinder with ourselves. You know, being a woman, being a mom, I'm interested in harnessing the Shakti energy and help everyone, you know, ride that wave rather than the distraction, the, you know, the, the power, the control. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to help people let go, you know, and trust and live in peace with themselves and with others. Um, yeah, and relax a little bit more and, and be less tense because we have so many inspiring speakers and so many people who help us to succeed and excel and compete and get better and self-development and personal development and blah, 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 and coaches and PTs and yoga teachers. And, you know, it's all about getting better, getting better. And what I'm teaching is always oh, just relax, you know. You don't need to be better, just be. <laughs> You know, and it's hard. It's it's a big, big thing I need to learn too because I'm a doer as well. And I, you know, people who are attracted to Ashtanga yoga, oh gosh, you know, we are type A for sure. You cannot do Ashtanga yoga. You cannot stay within the system more than a year if you're not type A because you're like, oh my God, this is crazy. I, I'm, I'm quitting, goodbye. You know, and I stayed within the system for 12 years and, oh gosh, I've tortured myself so much and beat myself up and labeled myself lazy and this and that and none of that anymore. It was a painful goodbye because it's hard to say goodbye to things you've been doing for so long and were holding on to for so long. But yeah, yeah, I did that practice. Uh, me too thing with the Tabi Joy has definitely helped. But yeah, so now I'm into my own thing and I just, like, you can be still doing Ashtanga, but it won't be so rigid. It won't be like, oh, I have to complete the primary series. And I cannot do second series if I haven't done the primary. <laughs> no, none of that. I can just pick and choose and just enjoy. And yeah. And if something doesn't work, oh, whatever, it doesn't work. <laughs> That's yeah, no, absolutely. And I think as you summed it up very well that, you know, like, basically just relax, right? It's really about just helping people to further relax into themselves. And then that way, just, you know, they get to enjoy much more of life and actually be present in, in living every day in this world and okay. things like that, right? Yeah. So I'm going to be putting Medina's details in the show notes below. For those of us based here in Singapore, you can obviously join her online programs. For those who are based in Sydney, this is where she's actually based. You obviously can go check out her actual studio and her actual classes in person. I want to thank again, Medina, for coming on Shift with Shiva. And thank you so much for sharing about your work. And I hope more people get into it. And the shift is created for them too. Thank you so much. 